Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another conversation on building a bridge. My name is Jesse Brizendine. Jared Countess. And uh, our mission is to empower people to use their voice to build a, build a bridge beyond race relations, creating unity and understanding, effectively raising the collective consciousness of humanity. Last, in our last conversation, we talked about a, quite a wide range of topics, including white people not helping the BLM cause, the lynching law, and why one, person, one lone person opposed it. And then we had some fun with playing with some stereotypes, like why are black people better athletes, and then also touching on the, the damage that is caused when we react to headlines. And then today we're going to talk about... Uh, we're going to... Stick with, we're going to spend a little bit more time on, um, I guess, I'll give you an overview. We're going to talk about perception versus reality, but we're going to spin that from more about our stereotypes, right? Um, at the end of our last talk, Jesse asked me <laughs> if I had any questions about any white stereotypes. And I told him, uh, no, not really. Maybe we can do next time. And the truth of the matter is, as I was talking to before we got on today, I don't, I can't like go in my mind and think about any purely like white guy, um, or white people stereotypes. Um, maybe fear of black people. <laughs> that, would be, that would be, that would be one. And that's more of a white female kind of a thing, um, uh, more than a white guy. But um, yeah, I don't, when I was, I told him when I was like 16, maybe I could have had some for you, but I've, I've lived too much life, guys. I've, I was in the military and all that kind of stuff. And most of that stuff has been, um, it's just, I've grown out of it. Um, and so I'm going to ask you, um, kind of, I think it actually went last time where you asked, asked me what stereotypes I thought, you know, were true, well, black people, whatever. And actually, what stereotypes that you feel like people have about you know white guys what is so i think white people have done a really good job of with some of our stereotypes we segment them and we make them into different geographic regions all those types of things so there's the there's a wife beater wearing white guy there's the nascar loving white guy there's the there's the loving their McDonald's and only eating McDonald's white guy. There's a, I was even talking with one of my clients over email the other day and, and she was asking what kind of foods I ate when I grew up. And I was listening off like, you know, pasta and barbecue and those kinds of things. She's all, all white people food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. There is the, let's see what else. There is the NASCAR wife beater so i and i recognize as i'm saying this I'm, I'm stereotyping mostly people and what would be probably we look at in the south from somebody growing up in the pacific northwest uh, white trash that was a pretty common one where i grew up with a lot of white trash and like i remember that was something that we had wrestled with as being poor is that my mom would talk about how we're so close to just being white trash you know, whatever that meant. And then, but I remember there was always this example of who white trash was because when I was in junior high, my mom had a, a minivan and we were driving. And I remember right where we were driving and this beat up white pickup truck was parked on the side of the road. We're getting ready to go by. They gun it 
and turn into the road and slam right into the side of us and push the car almost off the road. And it's on the passenger side. So it barely missed hitting me. And I mean, they went from dead stop to that. And I remember my mom just screaming, like, how could you think people who get out are full on like what I would call white trash, wife beater, grease on the thing. Two of the people go off and walk off of the field carrying a container of beer with them because they're just sitting there drinking and doing who knows what else. And the one person's there, still there. Turns out they have like a, they were, one of them was on probation. They were driving with a suspended license, no car insurance, nothing like that. And, and because of that, there was no financial compensation we could get to help with the car. We don't have any money as it is. And I remember that was just this whole thing. So there was, that was kind of a, I would only stereotype as white trash. South Park is my favorite TV show because I think South Park is such a great equal opportunist for making fun of everybody. But what, who they're really making fun of more than anything is white people, right? And the, the central characters are white. So everything that's in South Park is probably some sort of stereotype of white people. And those guys are way smarter than I could ever be in terms of <laughs> writing them out. But let's see what else they're bad at sports. They're bad at, at, they're bad at basketball compared to black people that golf was their sport until Tiger Woods came around and fucked that whole thing up. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, those would be, you know, those would be some of the main ones that I would, I would consider with it. And I think a lot of them would really be like that white trash redneck, of course, you know, I remember I was even joking with you one time that I have the, I had this, I had the tan line going here because I was outside oh. for a long time. So you can even see it right now. That's Total crazy. Tan line, right? <laughs> yeah. Those kinds of things. And then whatever, whatever comes after that. And then I think now, so those would be ones that, you know, and as a kid, I never looked at them as bad or anything like that. I just looked at it as a, again, another box that we could put people in a way that we'd separate ourselves from them. And now I think there's also, especially being a white male, that has a certain, a certain stereotype that goes with it. I think that, I think that there's a, um, as a white male, there's almost this fine line now where you are at the scope of what we're saying is privilege and that you are also seemingly public enemy number one for racial injustice, for uh, gender problems, like any sort of a, a attack or assault on women or sexual harassment thing. It seems to continually be the, the people who are, who are kind of painted as the figureheads of that are like the Jess, Jeffrey Epstein's. So the rich white male, which then met trickles down to the rest of the, the white males. So I think there's a, there's kind of a stereotype with that right now too of of you're you're the most privileged but now because of that that's a bad thing and so you need to be extra good because society is looking for you to falter and they're looking for the one thing to almost tear you down from that and there's probably some more i mean that would be a great one for any of you who are watching this to add to the comments what are some stereotypes from from the white side, black side that we're missing, or if you're not white or black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever color creed you identify with, if you're gay, straight, 
you know, put them in the comments because I think there's a, there's a lot of stereotypes and it's, it's interesting too, Jared, with the stereotype piece, I'll say this real quick. I've always struggled with the stereotype thing because with amongst my friends, it's always been something funny that we'll play with. You know, it's like anytime I get called, uh, like, uh, I have friends call me this or that. It was always just loving and laughing. So my Hispanic friends call me this, you know, I tease my Hispanic friends for, to, for Hispanic stereotypes. I tease my black friends for black stereotypes. They tease me for white stereotypes, whatever it is. So I never knew that as being a bad thing because it was always such like a thing of loving and bonding between us. You know, and it was like one of the ways that we just would joke. It was kind of ribbing each other, giving each other a hard time. But it was such a like a fun, welcoming place. That then going now in today, and I feel like in our, I feel like for most of us in most of our circles, that's still the case. But the narrative has become such where it's painting the picture that that's not it. And I feel like there's a, there's almost like this tiptoeing now of should we say, or shouldn't we say, or should we do, or shouldn't we do? And this goes back to kind of, you know, you and I were talking beforehand about the weaponizing of words, the weaponizing of phraseology and whatnot. And, and it's a slippery soap. So I hope that answered your question. It did actually. So, so it was actually took away, I guess, one major one major thing from that well two two one i one i was already there and the other thing um it opened my mind up um so when it comes to stereotypes about white guys one of the things that i think just or white people one of the things that i think that we it's gonna sound awful <laughs> so fuck it but right get right is that we like we base it on how's he dress present himself right and then what are the things that this person likes right what are their interests so i i, I will give you a cali white boy stereotypes uh smokes weed fucking skateboards right <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I mean, man yeah cool, music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah. So that's the at, as you were talking, I was like, okay, yeah, I got some. Once you broke it down into regions, right? And you know, people from certain regions like certain things. They mm -hmm. talk a certain way, right? And then um, economic, right? And like dress, right? And so, if we can like look at it i actually think oh, fucking hell it's such a fucking dark dark thing so i feel like you do this on purpose You're like just is like how can i make jared go down this path of you know saying ugly things but um so um i was talking with someone else um both my wife i was actually talking to my wife and a client right and they were asking the question, you know, I think maybe I'll address this one time. Am I racist if, right? Which is the wonderful game. That's the funnest game to play right now. Am I racist if, right? Sure. And so the question was, am I racist if I see a group of young black guys in across the street, right? Or I, I try to avoid walking past them, right? And my answer to the question is, 
Well, would you do the same thing if it's a group of white guys, right? Then would you do the same thing if it's a group of Asian guys or whatever, right? So interestingly enough, um, I don't, well, I can't, I'm not going to put it other people's business out there, but you get a mixture of answers, right? <laughs> right, when you ask those questions. And so um, when I was talking with the one client, um, it was, you know, came to the conclusion of, well, what's the person dressed like? How are they presenting mm. themselves? And if they're presenting themselves in a certain way, would you always cross to the other side, right? And typically that has to do with comfort. One of the things I pointed out to her was, if you saw these guys and they were bikers, would you cross the, would you cross the street to the other side? And, you know, typically the answer is not necessarily, unless they were fucking drunk and rowdy. But if they were dressed maybe in a, you know, the, the bag, the pants sagging type of, it's not baggy anymore. They're tight pants still, but sagging, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. kind of a, you know, rough look. Um, then the answer is, it's probably so, right? And um, <laughs> it would be nice if that was the only way that we stereotype universally, right? Um, what are, what do they look like? Where am I finding them in terms of what are their interests, right? And then I can be surprised, right? So I can be surprised by the country NASCAR guy who talks like this and he has a fucking economics degree from fucking Harvard. You know what I'm saying? I can be surprised by that. And, and he's probably not offended because he's held on purposely, held on to his accent all this time because yeah. I'm going to fucking show you fucking Yankees that I can fucking do whatever the fuck you can do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like... You know, is is and he's and he's proud. He's held on to his accent because he's proud of of who he is and where he is, right? And um, but if we could, if we could give, um, but he probably doesn't dress like white trash, right? He probably talks like that, but he probably doesn't dress like white trash. Like it's just because he knows that business wise and the people that he he can hold on to his twang and. That's part of his identity and his speech, right? But he knows that business-wise, he actually needs to actually be able to stand in front of somebody and have them actually allow him to, to talk the way he likes to talk, right? And so to do that, he has to present himself in a certain manner. You know what I mean? He's yes. not going to go to a business meeting in a white beater with stains and all this other kind of stuff. It just won't happen, right? Um, even though he might sound like a hick. <laughs> you know you know jared that's such an interesting thing and this might be something we even play with in the group discussion is asking that question because as you're asking that are you racist if and there's a group on the corner i feel like there's and this is actually this is probably a good segue into perception reality because there's so many qualifiers to that right where the convenient narrative is let's just make it white black so there's a group of black guys, a group of white guys. The problem with that is, is that, that it, it, that's not, it's not as simple as that because we're not basing it off. Most of us are not going to base it off of skin color. There's a probably a small percentage there are, but to have it truly be based off of skin color, it has to be a group of naked black people, a group of naked white people, nothing mm -hmm. else. 
And then everything else has to be the same, equal numbers of males, females, <laughs> equal. And then if they're completely naked, we have to have things like everything, breast, butt, <laughs> genitalia, all those things have to be of equal proportion to take everything else out of it. Eye colors, everything, right? Which is just not going to happen. And, and even then, if it's a bunch of naked people say on the corner, we might have pause and wonder, you know, what's going on there anyways. So what's really happening is we're assessing from which I think is a rational assessment, right? Is this safe for me or not? Now, also too, a man or a woman on the other side doing it, what's our frame of mind? Like, I was just, even as you were asking that question, I was thinking that there's times where, because I am such a student of psychology, I will deliberately not cross when I see somebody questionable because I just wanna see what the interaction would be like if there was one. Or if I'm by myself or if I'm with someone, you know, or or, or if I see them doing something where if I were to see people who are clearly under the influence of something, I would definitely cross the street and avoid it because now rational thought is out. Or if I saw a group dynamic play out or, or the colors like you're saying with the saggy, if there's baggy pants and, and whatnot. And if it was a group of people being rowdy, and so we'll probably stereotype this as men mostly. And if it's a group of rowdy, people rowdy with baggy pants, like, white, black, brown, blue, green, whatever it is, if they're being rowdy with saggy pants and I'm attributing that to gang, criminal, whatever it is, which is not what I'm thinking in my head. I'm not thinking, oh, there's black people I got to run. It's That could be criminals. It could be gangs. It could be this. So I need to maneuver for my safety. So I think there's 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 more to it, right? It's like there's there's a perception of this may not be safe for me, not so much a perception of, Oh, there's some black people I need to get out of the way. There's some white people I need to get out of the way. You, you know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Like, I think that, uh, like you were saying, it is. It's it's kind of like the the favorite horrible game to play. Are you racist? If because we like to simplify it, and make it like a black or white thing, but it's not because we're not we're not. Or, or I shouldn't say it's not. I think in most cases it's not. It's just convenient to make it a black or white because then it excuses having to look at and digest the other pieces of it. So there is, it would be awesome if it wasn't, is what I said with, with stereotype thing. And the reason I said it would be awesome if it wasn't is because there are certain subconscious beliefs. Like the reason that that works, right? Or the reason that it can drive you towards a feeling racist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is because you have this, you don't have a specific image of a white person in your mind. You don't have a specific image of a white youth in your mind. Does that make any kind of sense? Yeah. And when you immediately think white youth, right, you don't think white trash youth. You don't think stained overall, all that kind of stuff, drunk, whatever. You don't think that. You think something else right? Your brain, your, your brain may actually go to a positive image, right? And when you think black youth, your brain typically, and this is where we talked about the media, your brain typically goes to a negative image. And so that is, that is the problem. And that's why I say if we could get to a point where we could, where the stereotypes could be, you look this way, you look that way, you look that way, right? then I could, I, could, I could really come from a place of, okay, at least we've made progress. 
right? At least in my mind, I don't immediately go black youth, picture a thug, right? And, you know, because even the thought, like, you know, do I, do I know that there's like white trash out there? Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess like, I mean, that fucking sounds so ugly. I don't know why black thug says it feels easy for me to say that and white trash feels hard for me to say that. Mm-hmm. Either. That's mm-hmm. probably some fucking shit. We but I get that. But, it's easy for me to say white trash, but it feels ugly to say black thug. Okay. <laughs> you saying that because I think therein is part of the challenge right now, right? Is it's like, there's this hypocrisy of it. I, it's okay for me to do that because, oh, it's, it's my people. It's my skin color. Right. Right. But right. I can't cross over. And in the, I think the hypocrisy is, is if we're going to play this game of one race human beings, but then we have rules for either side. <laughs> now, I feel safe saying it with you and, and acknowledging this. But if I went out and said it to somebody else on the street, it, it probably wouldn't be that way. And again, yes. it's by Twitter. Dude, somebody's right there like that. They see privileged white male talking about black thug you know and that's it and and so i think i think i really appreciate you saying that because i think that is one of the challenges we're going to be up against is is i really believe that majority of us are not racist bad people and so we're trying to figure this piece out and we see do we see we see skin color absolutely just the same as we see shirt color and mm-hmm. facial you have a beard i don't i shaved you know like yes. those kinds of things yes. just the challenge is is that color i think in a lot of the narratives have been weaponized so much and so you as a black man saying you know white trash it sounds bad and ugly me as a white guy saying black thug it sounds like it's borderline racist and insensitive so you know what's crazy and this is what, um, this is what was the start of, like, what was we talked about this before we hopped on. Um, it's almost for you to say "black thug," right? Even though you feel this kind of pain inside saying it, like this whatever. Um, you, the general society is going to jump down your throat society in general much faster than um society is going to jump down my throat for saying white trash does that that make any kind of sense because i because my group is the oppressed group right and the white trash guy is my oppressor right? (laughs) right and so and so whereas you know that black thug is really no threat to you because you could have him arrested and locked up or blah, 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 blah. And that's the, and that's the justification for it. Um, but it's, it, I, it's the hypocrisy of that is, um, is a problem. Cause it, cause, cause one, you know, we do need to address as for black community wise, right? Don't get me wrong, kids gonna dress like kids. Kids used to f- dress like James Dean and fucking smoke cigarettes in the 1950s and stuff like that. But they looked, they were looked down, they were called greasers, right? Yeah. <laughs> and all this yeah. other kind of stuff, people will look down on them, right? <laughs> um, but there, there, is, there will always be a, uh, 
an element of society or there will always be a negative connotation to a certain way that you present yourself. And so what I, I guess I would like or love for one, my community not to necessarily always be associated with that, but two, to just be judged, you know, based on that, right? For the, for the stereotypes to revolve around your interests, your abilities, your skills, how you present yourself, things like that. Um, and, and, that's, and that is, it's, it's only, the only problem is it's very hard to escape black skin, right? So I can dress a certain way and blah, 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 blah. Um, but I do wonder what that would, what still transfers over no matter how I dress or present myself. Let me, right. ask, let me ask you this, Jared, like just, like what percentage do you think, like, so let's just say you dress in a normal, not overdressed, but you dress in a normal way. And we'll, we'll go back to that, that street corner example. So you dress in a normal way, not threatening way. And there's a group of you. You're laughing, you're having a good time, whatever, on the corner. And then there's a group of white people what percentage of them cross the street to avoid the group of you and what percentage of them continue on? And I know that's not a fair question to ask because it's just you making a, a guess. Yeah. But I just, I'm just curious. I'm genuinely curious. Um, and this, and this would be, do we out here? So here we go. We got to go caveats, right? Do we outnumber the white people? Yeah, and see, I think that's the thing is there's 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 so many different pieces to it. That is, yeah. it, it's I think is skin color there absolutely, but I think that there's other there's other layers to it too that add to it that maybe even expand beyond skin color for the average person. I think yeah, is, oh yeah, for the average because the average person, like we just talked, yeah, like our belief is the average person is not yeah, racist. Like, so the average person is going to start making assessments like that. Where yeah. it, it was a female walking, and there's a bunch of men. She you might should, cross. I, this is my answer. You should almost always cross the street. Yeah, almost always. If you're a female, I don't give a fuck what the guys look like. They could be wearing suits and ties and all this other kind of stuff. You're a female by yourself, and you're walking up on a group of guys, right? You should. She's just almost always avoid that situation and and that's and that that probably if you don't know any of those guys that probably sounds horrible right um but i'm just i i I don't i don't think it sounds horrible let me let me back i don't think you sound horrible at all with that because i think that we should always make decisions of where we're feeling where we feel comfortable And, and like i will not turn left into traffic a lot of times because I don't feel left as comfortable turning left across traffic when I could just turn right, go down, then turn left and come back up. I feel that it's, it's, it's not as safe for me to make that turn. And it's a minor inconvenience for me to take a right and go a small detour to make a maneuver later on that feels safer and will arguably probably be a more efficient mode of communication or mode of transportation for me because instead of me waiting I turn turn left and also I also make that decision because I know myself and I go from I go uber type a really quick 
when I'm going to make that turn and traffic is not stopping and yeah. And knowing that I need to make the turn and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you world? I need to make this turn. Why are you not all stopping and adjusting? <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> right. My wife's the same way. What? Yeah, and I'm I'm always say so. She does make that turn. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, you're we're not, we're not in that much of a hurry right now. So yeah. There's an opening. You gotta gotta make a decision. You gotta go. I'm but like, but I think that's it. It's like uh, so. We're there's more than this. I think playing out for all of us. And it, it, it's it's like there's a simplicity that I think the narrative tries to push. That's easiest. It's easiest black and white. I also think that there's a lot of us that we have this expectation that at any given moment the world should re- evolve around us. And shame on you for not knowing what the fuck I'm thinking right now. And that I am on a where I'm on a mission to get somewhere. It, one of the most important stories I ever heard changed my life forever. And I was too young to appreciate it, but I'm so grateful. I heard it and I remember it when I was in fourth grade, I had a teacher and he would, he would for rewards, he would let us have like a cherry. He had these little like cherry ball candies that you could get or, he had these little like collectible coins that he would let you look at if he did really something good. And I remember he was explaining the story of the coins one day that he was teaching his class and he got a phone call that his house was on fire and he ran out of his class and he took off driving. He said, I was driving over hundred miles an hour. He said, I didn't think about anything. I wasn't thinking about anybody else's safety. All I was thinking about is I need to get home because my wife was home and my dogs are there and trying to save stuff. And he said he got home driving 100 miles an hour. He gets there. His wife's okay. The dogs are okay. And those coins were the only thing he's able to salvage out of his house. And I think I remember that now when I am so quick to get upset at another human being because they're not making an adjustment because they're not seeing what I'm seeing in the world. And they're continuing on and they're not realizing I need to turn left and they're not all stopping. What I do to try to give everyone grace is to say, maybe their house is on fire. Maybe they just got a phone call. Somebody has cancer. Maybe they just found out that their kid is sick. You know, those kinds of things, because it makes it about them and not just me. Like one of the biggest fundamental pieces of society that I think we don't talk about enough because we make it about me versus you. And that it's, it is, and it isn't it, it, it. What it really is, is it's me expecting you to know what I'm thinking in here and then you not adjusting. And we do this in our relationships all the time. We do it like our biggest conflicts in our relationships come because we're not able to mind read our partners. You you know, we don't, we're not mind reading what's most important to them. So they may say something, but we're kind of passively listening. And then they're upset because we didn't realize how important that was to them. So we're human beings and we're going around expecting one another to read each other's minds. And when it doesn't happen in our relationships, we call that conflict In our relationships. We call it selfish. You don't care about me. You're not concerned about what's going on. You don't love me. And in our dynamics outside, we might call it in color, you know, those kinds of things. It goes on. So you're talking about this. I'm going to pull up in a book. It's going to flip in, the, okay. in this thing, but I am not that person. So I'm just going to, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Like since I was younger, I'm like, well, maybe that person, they, their wife is pregnant or mm-hmm. they're having a bad day. And 
So I've all so I when I was being selfish and driving, I knew it, right? And <laughs> but I've always thought like, what's going on with that person's mind, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why I've always I told you I was I was when I was younger I was always willing to play that win lose, right? Like, well, this is obviously way more important to this person. This they put a lot of importance in this. I don't, right? So I'm okay with it, right? There are a few things that I put a lot of importance in. But I'm going to show you this book, which I just got in a conversation with somebody else that I hate this fucking book, right? I hate this fucking book. And it's for the exact reason that you just talked about right there, right? So people lean, people lean towards my feelings are more important than yours. Or my concerns are more important to yours than yours, right? And when they're nice, they're often nice in an effort to gain, right? I'm being nice to you because I want you to be nice to me back. Not because, not I'm being nice to you because I want to make your day or your life better, right? But I'm being nice to you because I want reciprocation. Yes, right? totally agree. and so the treat, the golden rule, treat others as you would wish to be treated, right? The purpose is not so that you treat, so that other people treat you well, right? The purpose is so that you walk around with a clear fucking conscience. Yep. <laughs> that is what the reason behind that is. The reason is, is because it cleans your spirit to be nicer to other people because you actually put goodness into the world. Now, hopefully that goodness reflects back to you, but they crucified Christ, so don't expect that shit, bro. Like, <laughs> so just, you know, that's what the whole, if you want to say Jesus Christ and all that stuff, the Bible's a parable, it just means that don't expect for, even though you are being good and putting good things out in the world, don't expect for that goodness to directly come back to you. But do expect that it actually elevates the consciousness of humanity, right? You actually are making the world a better place by being a good person, right? But don't, don't mean that that means people are gonna be good to you because you're still gonna run into assholes every day. You're running into people who put their values above your own, right? And that's, and that's fine. And, and to a certain extent, I definitely do that, right? Because I have my son and my wife and I have to be respectful of being responsible for them in some way, shape, or form. But I also want to put good things into the world. And I do care about how I affect other people, right? And I do try to think about other people having needs and necessities and things that they're worried about on their mind, right? That may cause them to act or behave irrationally or act like fucking dickheads. And I'm like, well, do I really care? Is that really something that I need to engage in? If it is, I'll engage. And you really don't want to, I'm a person you don't want to engage with in that way. If I've decided that I need to engage with you, because I'm not, I'm not, that's not a side of me that's fucking pretty. But typically I'm not a person, I'm not going to engage with you. So (laughs) typically I'm not going to go there. But if I go there, be fucking prepared because I'm going to take it to the level that you probably aren't ready to go to. And I'm going to get there really, really fast. Um, but this is the book I fucking hate. It's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. I fucking hate this book because 
most people are overly concerned with themselves. Really what he's talking about is being nice with that time of, I hope I get niceness back, right? And he's saying, don't give a fuck about it, right? Because one, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get kindness back, right? And two, you know, to me, he's saying to a certain extent, don't even really, maybe he goes a little bit deeper because I, I probably, I fucking hate the premise. But he's <laughs> saying to me, it's not even necessary to really be nice in some situations, right? Um, and and I, can, I can dig on authenticity. I am super, I try to be authentic, right? I try to be as authentic as I possibly can be. But, um, and I'm not, I, I had to tell a client the other day, like I'm not blowing, I don't, when I tell you you did good, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, right? You did good, right? Um, but if, if, if you fuck up, I'm gonna let you know you fucked up too. I'm not going to fucking, but it, it, it was a weight loss thing, right? Or she's a, 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 fit, a client that I'm trying to help and she's not losing weight, right? But she's losing inches, mm-hmm. right? She actually weighs more now than she started, but she's smaller, yep. right? From all the measurements. And I was like, you are doing everything right. Stop, you know, like, so I've been telling her, check in, you're doing everything right. Look at this, you're smaller here, but she's feeling like she's not, Right. And she's the type of person, she doesn't ask questions that she has. So I have to try to over-inform and get there, right? Or try to pull them out, which I'm not good at, right? But I was like, you know, I explained to her, like, you did not train your body to have muscle, right? For a long time. So now you're training and feeding your body to have muscle, right? So that means you're getting smaller, but your weight's not dropping. Your body is trying to get stronger to do the things that you're trying to have it do. So it's putting on muscle, which is more dense than fat. So you see yourself shrinking, but your weight's going up because you demuscled your body for the past 15 years. Your body's been muscle wasting, fat adding for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Now it's trying to fucking play catch up. To me, the scale's not gonna fucking go down. It's gonna add muscle because your body's a smart goddamn machine and it's like, oh, I need all this muscle that I've been getting rid of, rid of for 15 years. And I need it more than I need to lose this fat. Yeah. And, and so, and having to like explain that to her, like, that's why I'm telling you you're doing good. I can see the inches coming off. So you're doing, you're doing, you're doing things right. It's just the adaptation is not one that you're expecting. Right. And so a lot of times we do things expecting one adaptation. Right when nature perceives or nature and its infinite intelligence says no that's not the right your 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 equation's wrong your equation is wrong and so this is this whole thing that we talk about with perception versus reality or stereotypes right is what kind of what kind of what kind of math are we doing in our minds that's right and what kind of math are we doing in our minds that's wrong so like if the math that's right is person looks dangerous <laughs> not because they're black but yeah. because what they have on they're bigger than me yada 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 right they're fucking have a scowl on their face i can read their emotions yes i am going to go in the other direction that is the correct equation right 
And what are we doing in terms of when we think about am I racist if, what are the real calculations you're running in your head? What's the real equation that you have go, that goes through your mind? Now, does that equation, does that, some of those variables need to change? Do I need to not instantly think angry black thug, right? Yeah. <laughs> the way I don't instantly think angry white trash <laughs> thug, right? <laughs> and so that's the equation I want, like, cause I, cause I definitely, that's why I couldn't think when you asked me white stereotypes, it's like, I don't know. Then you went through and broke it down. White trash guy. I was like, oh, okay, I got an image of that. A NASCAR guy. Oh, I got an image of that. Uh, uh, um, you know, whatever. Cali, Cali kid. Oh, I got an image of that. Yeah, now I'm starting to learn. I, I forgot some of the best ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so now, now I'm starting to learn some of those um, differences and nuances and so it's like oh okay boom 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 and then we just need to we need to be able to differentiate um you know the stereotypes that that minorities face we need to be able to differentiate the stereotypes that or or we need to just ask ourselves is the equation that we're asking is it the right one right and if it's the if the equation is structured correctly then then no right doesn't make you racist or prejudiced it makes you an intelligent human being and that that's a hard thing to dig again partially because i don't why i don't like this book because a lot of people already operate from a value perspective of my values are important more important than yours Right, where my opinion is is more valid to me than your opinion is, um, and 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 we really have to to if we really want to break down and, and and talk about the negative impacts of stereotypes, then we have to to break that down. That inability to say to myself when that person's driving, well, what's going on with them? To just That's assume true. that they're fucking an asshole, you know, whatever. And maybe, you know, maybe seven times out of 10, they are an asshole. <laughs> I don't like to think that way. I like to flip the equation in the other direction. Um, you know. And I, think, and I think that's it though, is it's, it's maybe they are seven times out of 10, they are an asshole, but it, it's that, how does that math serve you, right? The math that's going to probably serve you is assuming 10 times out of 10, their house is on fire. Yes. That and that's I think where we really go to humanity. Like most of our relationships, if we're really willing to confront the person in the mirror, if our romantic relationships, many of our relationships, they're not relationships of of I love you. They're relationships of I'll love you. You you have to love me. I'm going to be with you so you can make me. You know I I have these wounds. You're going to make them okay if I'm being loved by you, then I don't have to sit with the stuff about myself that I don't like. And we can ride that, you know, honeymoon phase, if you will, for enough time where we do feel okay. We see divorce rate at, an, at a high number. And I, I bet money that we will see it coming out of COVID whenever that is, that we'll see our divorce rate go up substantially much higher because I think it was 53% or so around there. <clears throat> 
pre-COVID. And I think a lot of those relationships were people who they were in the marriage still because it, it worked. Life didn't afford them the time or the money to separate. Uh, most of our relationships are not based on a relationship with the other human being, but they're based on our perception of that human being and the context of how we exist with them every day. And most of our existences with them are nine to five blocks. <laughs> right? So I relate to you before work and after work. And I know that before work, you're going to be this way. After work, you're going to be this way. And the times that we actually have substantial time together, weekends or holidays, there's an environmental stimulus that comes with that. You do your yes. thing on the weekend, I do my thing, and the holidays were all supposed to be happy. Well, now all of a sudden, we're having to relate to one another in this massive way under the most stressful time context. There's a pandemic, there's harsh economic conditions, there's political unrest, there's social challenges. And then we're having to be alone and deal with ourselves the icky parts that we may not like about ourselves, about mm -hmm. why it feels uncomfortable for me to say black flag, for you to say white trash, you know, those kinds of things. And, and that's not a place most of us like to be. Most of us like to be in that other place of saying, hey, you got to do the work, ignoring the three fingers pointing back at us. And, and, and really, it should be all of us, right? It, it shouldn't be a pointing. It should be, an, I feel like, a, a hugging motion almost, like really the arm and arm, hand in hand type piece. The challenge with that is, though, is the human animal is a, is a fragile animal. The human animal is, is very ego-driven. And most of us, when we get into risk-reward type situations like that, the risk of being vulnerable, while we know the reward, if it happened, it's kind of like a jackpot, but we have a belief that the jackpot is a one-in-a-million hit. Right. And so we won't subject ourselves to that. So we find ourselves in relationships that we, 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 it's love and I'm not dismissing there's not love there, but it's also convenience because there's a, an exchange. You make me feel better about me. I make you feel better about me. You scratch my back. I scratch yours. Well, when you stop scratching, I'll, I'll divorce. We we're, we're, we're so easy to, we, even our way are, are interacting now, right? I can unfriend you because that's your worth in my life. Oh dude, Jared said something upset me. I'll just unfriend him. It's been happening. Dude, because it's becoming easier and easier and easier for it to do it. It's so easy. Like I, I, I wanted to acknowledge this really quick for everybody watching. And this is, this is totally to pat ourselves on our backs. So please pat yourself on your back. Okay. <laughs> when you watch Jared and I have these discussions, we do something really subtle. And we haven't planned this, but we're doing it innately. When we talk and we're sharing, he's not talking over me. I'm not talking over him. We're not, we're not wrestling to try to be able to talk over each other and hearing like there's times where Jared talks for five to seven minutes. I talk five to seven minutes uninterrupted because I'm really listening to him and he's really listening to me. And something that I, I really appreciate about you, Jared, is you hold the space for that because I think most conversational pieces, whether it's in our intimate relationships or it's in societal time to talk about this is not the case. Somebody says we give them 15 to 20 seconds to say something and already we don't like what they're saying or we disagree or if it's going against our opinion, we feel our opinions being threatened or then therefore our ego is and our fragility kicks in of that. And so we immediately start defending it and we go louder and slower. 
you didn't hear me before how right I am, right? <laughs> so let me really tell you how right I am, or maybe we'll go faster and louder and whatnot. And, and, and it's understandably so. The talking heads on the news, this is the way they debate now. You know, we have these 90-second clips that we're using to make opinions, and everybody's trying to talk and over-talk one another to get that one 10-second soundbite in. So it's to recognize, I think this is a long way of saying, it's to recognize these things are going on and that if we're really going to understand a human being, we have to be willing to give them space to speak. And we have to be willing to give ourselves the opportunity to listen. And also, perhaps even more so, is that space with ourselves of listening to what we have going on in here and trying to understand that piece so that we're better able to come out and I think support one another too. So I will, I will pat, pat myself on the back, but um, I'll, I'll give you credit in that. Um, and we're talking about this before as well, is that you have a lot to say, you know what I mean? You have, you're, so I'm not going to interrupt you if you're saying valuable things, you know what I mean? And, and I, I just, I just won't. Um, so I, I was, I told you I've been in politics for a while, right? And I use, and I talk a lot. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a talker, right? <laughs> and so I remember uh, there was one instance where I was sitting, the person's not a friend of mine anymore, but we were sitting with a friend and um, was kind of having a, like a round table discussion. I was like in my mid 20s. And um, one of the guys we were talking to, um, and he was actually the boyfriend of a girl. Anyway, but anyway, so he was, he was one of the guys I was talking to. And so remember, I told you the guy who taught me how to break into, break into a house. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I'm not break into a house, sorry. Sorry, guys. Break into a car. <laughs> break into a car. You'll get to where the house thing came from. Break into a car. First time and all that kind of stuff. Um, he ran, you know, a, 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 a decent sized drug organization. So it just so happened that the guy that we were talking to, who was roughly around the same age as us, um, he actually ended up working for this guy. And when I heard him say his name, I shut up and I listened, right? I didn't interrupt him and I was, I'm a talker, right? So my one friend was, so, you know, we listened to him and he, and he was talking about, you know, and this guy, kid, we were kids at the time, was trying to help get kids off the street, right? And he was coming from a very broken place, so it's very hard to get that message, which is one of the problems with trying to get kids out of the drug game or gangs and stuff like that. A lot of times, if it is a former drug dealer or a gangbanger talking to them, very, it's not very often that they're coming from a place of having reached a level of success that those kids want. Mm. that makes any kind of sense right or even for them to actually really like one maybe they don't value their life and they're not able to fully express them how they should or they're just not in a place that those kids want to get to anyway so like well why would i give up what i have now to and chase after what you have but anyway so he was talking about it and trying to get these and he would talk to them drunk right so that's another negative right and but he was talking about having worked for this guy uh, I won't say any names, but I haven't worked for this guy. And, you know, he was the one who, or he was part of the firebombing of a snitch's house. 
right? And so they, I mean, they firebombed the house, everybody. They, it wasn't, it, it, you know, mom died, kid died, whatever, right? And, and the snitch was, you know, like I said, I was, I got away from that when I was like 12, 13. The kid who snitched who got killed was like 15, 15-ish, right? And so this was, and it was only a few years after I got out. So I could have easily been in his shoes, right? Um, as part of this thing. And, um, and so he was talking about it. And then when he was done, my buddy was like, cause you know, everybody, Jer was super, you know, involved. And like, that was my passion. I was going to get involved in help. It's like, you didn't say nothing. It's like, you didn't say nothing while he was talking. I was like, I was like, he was like, it's like, and so I think his instinct was, I was, I didn't interrupt him because I was nervous right or whatever right but but it was he had a lot to say and everything that he said was powerful right Mm -hmm. and so um and it came from such a and you could feel and see the hurt and the pain in his eyes as he talked about this incident you understand you understand what i'm saying like he'd done this you know and he he never got over it right which is a hard thing to get over right you were part of the murder of a family right so he never got over it. Um, and that was what drove him to be drunk talking to these kids, right? Now they drove him to talk to them, but he couldn't talk to them from a sober place. Does that make, am I making any kind of sense? Yeah, 100%. Because, because he couldn't, he couldn't get over and people might be watching this and think what a monster, but understand that a lot of that life is, 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 is you feel like a soldier. You're, it's just, it's just like, I, and I love the Marine Corps. You know what I mean? A lot of that life, people feel like they're soldiers, they're, they're warriors, and they're fighting a war, right? And there's this guy, this is a bad guy versus good guy type of thing. It's very easy to breed that into a young child. Very easy to breed that into yes. a young child. And so, um, it's, I, I, again, I, I want to say, like, I've, 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 been that way as far as the listening piece the majority of my life except for like you said like i said to you before we got on when people talk about things that don't that are important so i was also that way right so don't talk to me about your car (laughs) don't talk to me about your shoes or your clothes because then i am going to interrupt you and then i am going to be like what's the point of this conversation so one of the blessings of you being in my life in the group is like what you say is also probably I don't say I, have a, I definitely don't have a hard time with women but I think it made it harder for me with women because I'm not good at those kind of conversations so when you made this like this is going to be like a date right and, and, and we got on here and we talked about our interests our likes and our dislikes um, that is a super important part of building you know, rapport with people and understanding. And I'm trying to learn to break through to have those kind of conversations. But I, I, I want to give you credit when we do get on here, because like I said, you say things so much meaning, so much value. So I wouldn't interrupt what you're saying, right? Um, and unless I think I'm going to lose a thought, then sometimes I get in there. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but, but a, a, lot of, a lot of that, Sorry. Oh, yeah, I know you got to get off. A lot of that is, 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 um, is, is, is the value add. So, so I can't, I can't take a lot of credit in terms of, 
you know, whether or not I interrupt or I don't interrupt. Um, and that's, and that's because you, you, you add a lot of value. Let me, I'm going to interrupt you. I, I, I really think that <clears throat> I appreciate you saying that and I appreciate your, you acknowledging me and also being humble, but I, Jared, I would, I would insist here that you do take some credit because I'll tell you, I, I do think it's an extraordinary thing to listen. I really do. I think it's an extraordinary thing to listen. And it be, and the reason is, is not only is it a really extraordinary human trait, I think that as, as a human being, uh, a member of this human existence, and even though I may think sometimes that the world revolves around me and that all 8 billion people should stop and let me make my left turn, I am also a fragile human animal that more than anything wants to be seen, heard, understood, loved, and felt like I matter. By you choosing to listen, it allows me to feel heard. By allowing me to feel heard, it empowers me to feel safe, loved, understood, and what I have to say matters. And when we're looking at this, how do we really make change? We, could, we can go out and we can make all the policies we want, and it's just going to be more Band-Aids. Because at the end of the day, in my opinion, and is we're still going to have to deal with the human animal. The hurt, the pain, the, the feelings that we have that might be about one another. Or, and I think in a large part, many of them are about ourselves. It, it's harder to articulate those feelings itself. It's easier to express them about someone else and the contributions of it. And, what, and the reason I want you to take credit for this piece of it is because I feel, as it is my, uh, my opinion, that we have to do more of this to be able to really understand one another. We all want to be understood. We all want to be heard. We want to all be, feel like we matter. And you're not going to do that by letting someone talk for 15 seconds and then going louder and slower because that just literally is the same stuff we've been dealing with our whole time, whether it's our parents telling us, no, no, I told you you couldn't do that. <laughs> it was our teachers telling us, no, you can't say that. You know, it, it, it's, it's, these are things that are programmed in us and many of us have been wrestling with our whole life in some way, shape or form. The fact that you do give that space, that you do allow it to be, to enable me to feel heard. I think it's one of the greatest gifts that you can give to another human being. And I appreciate you acknowledging me and I absolutely insist on you do taking some credit for what you do. And I know that we're, we're running tight on time, so maybe we'll wrap it up there. And if I could quickly recap it with this, I would say, I would invite people to do a couple things. Number one, stereotypes that we may have missed, feel free to contribute to the comments. We can discuss on them or we can just have them be fun. Jared mentioned a few others that I completely forgot about. Uh, White Man Can't Jump, they even made a movie out of it. Southern California, the dude, bro kind of culture, which I, say dude more than I probably any other words so that, I, that was true <laughs> uh, also you know I think in the conversation about perception I think that'd be a really incredible conversation for all of us to expand on and just notice how how are we perceiving one another is it is it if we're perceiving as are we when we're looking at those people on the street corner the metaphorical street corner yeah what is it we're, what are the layers there with it and be real, be honest with it too. I think that it's in our real honesty that we might start to allow ourselves to see that there is a little bit more there than just skin color that we might be perceiving. It's just that in our linguistic limitations and also in the, what's the most emotionally charged 
unfortunately we leave it at black and white and we don't get to the other pieces of it. So this could be a really cool discussion and, and mm. yeah, I think that was, you got anything else to add? Well, yeah. So when you go through those layers, um, think about what's buried subconsciously. Yes. So think about what's the, what's the, cause you're going to have layers. You're going to project an image in your mind. You're going to have layers. What is the buried subconscious piece of how those layers form out? Yes. Like what is my, my instinctual image of this guy, of that guy, um, or this type of person. And then, um, the only other piece I want to add is, is, uh, we're going to expand on this. Yes. Guys. So be, pre be prepared. Cause we're, go we're going to, we are putting you on a line. I'm putting you on it, putting you on a spot right here. Next week, we're going to take these types of layers of perception and subconscious like grounding. And we're going to start to talk about, um, the police issue. Yes. Um, we will. And so, um, we wanted to get here in that process. There was a plan. It's a plan to this, guys, um, because it because because we need to talk about what's perception, what's reality, and what's what's buried. Yes. Here. That's that's affecting our perception, right? Does that make any kind of sense? Hopefully, that makes sense, guys. And so we're gonna dig on that. So when you do dig deep and you comment, yes. and feel free to freaking surprise me because obviously. Me and him, I think we both failed the stereotype test. Yeah, you know, and Jared, 10 seconds out of that, whatever subconscious, unconscious for you, that does not make you good, bad, right, wrong, or anything. It just makes you a human being. And I, yes. I, and, and I want to make sure we, we iterate that to give you permission to go there. Because uh, Jared and I could both say this, I think, forthrightly or forthcomingly, that one of the challenges in these kind of dialogues is when we start to look at those layers and we see some of the stuff that's there, we may not like it particularly. And so we, again, categorically immediately start making good, bad, right or wrong. And right now in society, we have a lot of heavy emotional stakes. And if we see something that might put us in one of those things, it's easy to say it's bad and we try to bury it more. Burying it deeper is not going to get rid of the dirt under the rug. We have to be willing to pull it back and acknowledge it as it's just dirt and how it got there is how it got there. There's yeah. no, there's, it's not about being good, bad, right or wrong. It's about looking and saying, we all have dirt under our rugs. And if we are, we are going to honor the mission statement of evolving past race relations to really elevating consciousness, we all have to be willing to take out our brooms, sweep up our dirt, but not only that, be willing to help one another sweep up the dirt under their rugs. Beautiful. Beautiful. Hey, high five. Hey, high five. <laughs> the, uh, the subconscious, the dirt in your subconscious, you can really kind of, if it's there, you can really kind of remove a lot of responsibility for it, for your person. Because most, we didn't put a lot of things in our subconscious. Most of the things in your subconscious, you didn't fucking put there. Oh. <laughs> picked up just like most of the dirt under our actual rugs. It's not dirt we pick there. It gets blown there and it keeps yes. over time. Yes. yes. And it's much in the same way we do. And that's why it's so important to recognize that what's there for you does not make you good, bad, right, or wrong. 
it's you being a sponge of the world, picking things up as you go and not thinking of it as yeah. it happens. Just that's, a, that's the fastest way to subconscious. That's why people play tapes when they're asleep. Yes. Because it, 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 beats, it beats their conscious mind and goes in, well, that's the theory, right? <laughs> it beats their conscious mind and goes directly into their subconscious. So a lot of things that you have embedded in your subconscious, if you thought about it, especially that negative stuff, that dirt, if you thought about it consciously, it wouldn't have got there in the first place. Yep. And that is, and so there's power in reaching there because when you see it, you're like, what the fuck? That doesn't belong there. That's not, that's not even supposed to fucking be there. Because if you were conscious, if it got there consciously, you would have never let it get there. Yes. Never. Right? And, and, that's, and, that's, and that's really going to be the key to hold this whole question. Okay, anyway. All right, all right everybody. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap it up there. We, we know right, it's right. a long time. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Yeah.